Today, we're bringing on a well-respected sports journalist here in Idaho, a guy I've followed for quite some time, and we're going to learn his story, um, the background of sports journalism, the different types of sports media that he's been involved with. I'm also going to be talking to him about the ins and outs of what it's like in, in the night of a sports journalist covering you know, uh, an event such as a state basketball tournament or state football game and the deadlines that are required with that. And uh, stay tuned because near the end of the show, we'll be talking about what it's like to be a Cowboys fan, the endless misery that we experience. You don't want to miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Five years running into the show now. We just hit just the last like two weeks. Uh, we've hit 93 different countries um, have listened to the show. It's it's kind of cool how we've seen the growth. My goal with this show, as you guys know, is to get this to 100 countries by the end of this year. Um, it started as a fun little you know project that I was doing five years ago. I was still in college at the time, 28 years old, and had started this thing because of Bob Bueller. And it's just interesting to see the progression of the show consistently producing content for five years and just see the growth of it organically and the types of guests that we brought on and the type of content they provided the information uh, that they've provided for the listeners and just to see the growth. It's been super, super awesome. So all I ask from the, the people who are listening is if you could kindly leave me a review on Apple podcast. So if you have an, an Apple device, basically what people ask me all the time is if you haven't like, how do I leave a review on Apple podcast? If you have an Apple device, a lot of people have iPhones or Macs or whatever it may be, or an iPad, there's Apple podcasts already on the device. That's, that's how people listen to podcasts. Apple is the main source of podcasts across the entire globe. Go there, find my show, and just leave us a review on there and let us know what you think. Um, if you're new to the show, this is your first time listening because you know our guest that's on the show and you might want to hear his story, awesome. Welcome aboard. We're happy to have you here. Let us know. Go leave me a review and let us know what you think about the interview here with our guest. So going into that, I want to introduce our guest. So this guy, I've had a massive respect for this guy for quite some time with his work and his sports coverage locally here in the Treasure Valley of Idaho. I've, I, I mean, I came across his work a long time ago. Twitter affiliations, you kind of like see who people are. I actually met him in person at the state basketball tournament last year, but I've been following his work for quite some time. And now I get to actually bring him on the show and learn more about him, uh, that I, stuff I don't even know, but that I've always wanted to ask. So we're going to be bringing on Brandon Walton, a fellow Cowboys fan, a miserable Cowboys fan like the rest of us. Brandon Walton's joining the show. Brandon, thanks so much, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Shane. It's an honor to, to be on the show. I kind of just joked you know like hey i'll be on your show and you're like you were serious so i <laughs> yeah <laughs> so dude, I, I, you know, i'm like are you sure but you know I'm, I'm honored to be on your show man i appreciate it no i i love that what and what he's referring to for those who are listening listen up like i i throw i throw that out there sometimes i'm like hey who who's a good guest that should be on the show i want to know what people want to hear about and brandon's like you know me i want to be and i was like dude let's do it we had already discussed this a long time ago and it was like okay it's time to get it done so i was for real i know brandon was joking but i, I was for real so i'm excited about it man so Brandon, let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. Talking about your history, you're a sports journalist. I'm going to leave it at that right now, and we're we're going to talk about how you kind of evolved into that role. Um, sports background, your 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 love of the of the game, I guess. Where did that begin, and when did that begin? Yeah, no, that would have that began when I was just a little kid. Like my dad was a big time uh, sports fanatic, um, you know, especially with football, and so I. Fell in love with sports uh, very early on, particularly football. That was kind of my introduction. Um, and, you know, and, and played sports, you know, all throughout my entire uh, childhood. Was not very good at them, but, you know, it didn't stop me from, uh, you know, playing. Um, you know, I did, uh, I did, you know, as a kid, I did, you know, uh, soccer, baseball, basketball, you name it. And then in high school, I just kind of focused on, I did soccer for the first couple of years. And then I switched over to football because they're in the same season in high school. And then I did wrestling for four years. So that was kind of my uh, high school sports career. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And, you know, even though I wasn't the greatest at sports, I mean, it still didn't stop me from kind of loving and appreciating the game. You know, I love that piece of it. And 
as you were growing up, did you, were you like some of us who, you know, watch sports center or some of the other, you know, networks that were out there? Did you, did you watch a lot of sports media or consume a lot of sports media when you were growing up as well as playing? Um, as much as I could. So when I was a child, I was kind of, I make this joke. I was deprived because we didn't have like satellite. We just had like basic television. So I didn't discover sports center until like a few years, like until like a year or two after I graduated, I was like, Whoa, what is this? Like, you know, <laughs> Um, well, I did go to my grandpa's, I guess, a little bit because I'd always go there because, oh, they've got cable. That's like the best thing. <laughs> but no, I mean, like I, you know, I always watch like, you know, the, the CBS, you know, pregame shows for, you know, football, basketball. I mean, as much sports as I could uh, watch, you know, or get my hands on. I was there. So, you know, that's so cool. Because like, what I always tell people is, you know, I, I grew up like watching sports and I literally had like that's how I fell asleep is I'd, I'd sleep on my parents couch and, and listen to sports center playing the reruns over like every hour they play the rerun. And uh, Stuart Scott, Stuart Scott was my like idol. Right. I was like, I'm going to be work for ESPN and I'm going to be the next Stuart Scott because I want to sit next to him on the desk. Now, rest in peace. You know, he, he lost his battle mm -hmm. with cancer some years back. But I mean, I even read his book. His book is phenomenal that he wrote before he passed all this stuff. Fantastic. But I just, I wonder, did you have anyone in the sports media world, even on the CBS, like the pregame shows that you were able to consume or any journalists that you read in the newspaper, even local? I don't know. Like, is there anybody that you ever looked at and like respected their work? You know, when I was a kid, I mean, that kind of came later, like kind of when I started trying to get into the media world. But as a kid, like I really like, I, I kind of gravitated to the broadcasters. Like I like the, like the Gus Johnson's, like he's kind of always kind of my, you know, number one guy with just his energy. I mean, just, man, he's so good. And, um, you know, and I try to replicate that myself. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember the old NCAA football game, but, oh, uh, yeah. or even Madden, like I would do my own commentary while I play video games. Like that kind of sounds dorky, but like, I just, you know, cause I originally wanted to be a sports broadcaster. So that's kind of what I would kind of do. And like, hey, one day I want to do this, you know, but, uh, so that was, that's kind of my silly story there. But. No, that's dope, dude. I love that because how cool is that? So sport, that's awesome. You were doing that playing your own video games. And I, and I, and I love that you mentioned Gus Johnson. He's one of my favorite broadcasters still to this day mm -hmm. because of the ability to bring the energy into your home. Um, yeah. There's such like, and I, I know you know this too, like there's different parts of sports journalism and sports media like you got podcasting, that's one thing. You've got play-by-play -play broadcasting, that's one thing. But then you've got video play-by-play -play broadcasting, which is another. So there's radio broadcasting, and there's video. And Gus Johnson does video. And the thing that's crazy about that is like people can see it. People, what, what the casual fan doesn't understand, right, Brandon, is like when you're it, there's a completely different skill set because when you're watching it on TV, there's less description that's needed about the play-by-play because -play people can see what's going on. Yeah, you do need to bring the energy. Whereas if you're doing a radio broadcast, you do need to like go play by play, like what is exactly happening. And that's where the color commentator comes in. But Gus Johnson's such a good dude with like energy. He brings the energy into your home so you can sense what's going on there. You can see what's happening, but now you can feel what's happening. And I think that's a huge piece to, to his yeah. work. So I'm glad you brought that up. Now, yeah. going in, you said your adult life is kind of when you decided, okay, I kind of want to get into the media side of things. So tell us about your background there. Did you, did, is that what you went to school for? Did you go to school for journalism? Um, and tell us about the the whole process there. Yeah, no, my st story is kind of uh, interesting. I was kind of a late uh, bloomer, I guess you can say, of kind of getting involved. So like, you know, honestly, like when I graduated high school, like I was just kind of, you know, it's one of my regrets. I wish I would have taken high school more seriously. I was just kind of ready to be done. And, you know, I, I went to community college. I went to Treasure Valley Community College in Ontario just because, you know, my parents, you know, like, oh, you got to go to school. I'm like, okay. Didn't really work out. Didn't get a degree or anything, which is another regret. So I just kind of started working at Walmart you know, and, and all of a sudden, like five years had passed. And um, I was like, man, you know, I gotta, I gotta do something else, you know, like, um, and, you know, and I kind of had some, you know, battles with the, you know, depression during that time, too, that kind of prompted me, like, you know, I, mean, I, I gotta change my life, I gotta do something that's gonna make me happy. And so at, uh, you know, at 25, I was 25, when I went back to college. So, um, you know, at 25, I decided to enroll in Boise State. And, uh, you know, it was kind of odd because I was going to school with like, you know, 18, 19 year old kids. I'm like, man, I feel like a, an old man on campus here. But, uh, you know, uh, it was great, though. You know, because I, I, I originally like they do like the admissions thing where they're like, what do you want to do? And like I had mentioned kind of the the sports broadcasting thing. And they said, well, we don't really have a journalism program. I don't think Boise State still has one to this day, which is unfortunate. Um but they're like, we have communication. So that's kind of what I did a major in. And, um, you know, I was just kind of taking general classes at first. And then, 
Um, but then one day, like I'd always park, you've been on Boise State campus, uh-huh. like there's Lincoln parking garage, like I'd always park right there, which is right across from the student sub. Um, and then like, I kept walking by like the student media building they had over there. And I just kind of kept looking. I'm like, I wonder what that's like, but I would just never go in. Cause like, oh, I don't know, like, should I do it? Should I not? And then kind of finally one day I'm like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go in and see what's up. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how I got my start. I just walked in like, Hey, like, you know, I, you know, I want to get into media, you know, whether it's writing radio broadcast, what do you guys got? And, um, it kind of spawned more into writing, which is really cool. Something I didn't expect, but you know, that going kind of taking a chance and going into that uh, building and just asking around that kind of, uh, started my media career per se. That's actually really cool, man. Um, and it's, I relate to your story quite a bit in regards to school. Like I, I always joke around, Brent, like I went to school, I went to CWI, I went to a community college, got my associate there. But like the problem was it took me five years to get that. And then I go to Boise State. So from the time it was 2010, you know, and I also went through some life struggles and I went through a divorce back in 2013. So it was like a big old like mess in my life, you know. So I didn't graduate till in 2017. And I joke around, it's like Tommy boy. It's like, yeah, a lot of people go to school for a year. Yeah, they're called doctors. You know, it's kind of like that joke. I'm like, yeah, I was in school forever, but it's just to get my bachelor's. And I got a comm degree as well. Um, relational and organizational studies from Boise State. I was a non-traditional student. I was older. So when you're talking about like the younger kids, man, there's it's funny because I'm sitting in there in the back of class and my my turning point was Bob Bueller coming to be a like I was like this fanboy. I'm like, I've been listening to Bob Bueller doing play by play for a long time for Boise State. And I'm like, he comes into the class and I'm this 27 year old at the time. And I'm like geeking out, dude. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I've got these kids who have no clue who that he is. They're 19 years old. They have no clue who this dude is. I have no idea what is in front of them. And I was in the back just raising my hand, asking hella questions, just getting as much as I could from him. Um, mm-hmm. He's actually the one who who got me to start this podcast uh, back five years ago. So, like, that's – I mean, I started this whole thing, and it was in, due in large part to him, but as I was a non-traditional student amongst a lot of different people, including said Wilson, which I'm still waiting for him to give me something. I helped him with his homework once, and I'm hoping <laughs> that he'll, he'll give me something back. But anyway, that's beyond the point. What I think is awesome is you took that leap of, like, curiosity going into the student media center, you know, trying to kind of figure that piece out. And then it kind of branches into um, the written form of what you're doing now. You're doing written journalism, like the writing piece of it. Did you happen to have any opportunity? So maybe someone's listening right now and they're a college student. They're interested because they've followed your work and they want to know what they can do. Like at Boise State, to my understanding, they have the arbiter. So there's that opportunity. Mm -hmm. When I was in college, I didn't even, when I was at Boise State, I didn't even look for that. I was actually writing for a website out of Michigan uh, covering Boise State football and Ohio State football and the Dallas Cowboys. I was a lead writer for all three of them for that particular website. It was just freelance work. It was free, uh, but I also ended up getting internship credits for it my final year of college. But I was doing that because I had heard about them from somebody else and I had contacted the owner of that company and we, we were able to get that set up. But uh, maybe from your experience, could you share what you did? Um, so like what a student could do now for getting into the written part of things and how they can start getting their work done, like to start working on their resume, essentially. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, for me, I just started, you know, just simply as writing for the, uh, you know, student newspaper. Because, I mean, it's funny because I never envisioned myself as a writer. Like English was never one of my, you know, favorite topics per se. I'm like, me, right? I don't know about that. Um, but, you know. The, at the student newspaper, the Arbiter, I mean, they kind of showed me how to craft a story. You know, that, that's kind of where I learned, like, okay, you know, you start with your lead, then you kind of have, you know, the, the meteor story, then your conclusion, that, that sort of thing. I mean, so they kind of help you kind of craft a narrative and show you kind of the nuts and bolts of how to put a story together. So it kind of starts there. But then, you know, they can kind of only take you so far. And um, so kind of later in my uh, Boise State career, when I had done that for about a year, year and a half, I kind of was looking at internships, you know, um, you know, and I, I did actually um, intern at the Boise Weekly, you know, um, one of the most well-known weeklies, you know, um, in Idaho. I, I did that, you know, for several months. Um, I did a little bit of freelance work for the Argus Observer, which I would later work for, which was my hometown newspaper. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I always kind of say, I mean, like, you kind of really learn more by kind of with the internships by kind of, you know, going out and, and kind of, um, so we're kind of exploring the, the world, the media world. And cause I mean, like, cause kind of with college, you're kind of just in this kind of lab, I guess, sort of thing, like this learning lab, you know, you're just kind of there, you're kind of, um, 
man, I can't think this morning, you know, insulated from kind of the outside world and how it really is. So that's, you know, I recommend kind of going out and, you know, working for the real media news outlets just so you can kind of get like a feel on, you know, what it's like, you know, because I mean, you know, in the, the outside world, like there are real concrete deadlines, you know, I mean, you know, this is not, they don't sugarcoat stuff for you. So you kind of know how it really is, you know, um, you know, and I also kind of did, you know, an internship at 670 KBOI just kind of for the, the radio side of things, just so I can kind of learn um, that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot there too, kind of, uh, you know, especially about brevity because my, my work was kind of really long, but they kind of helped me kind of cut it down. Like, no, you gotta, like people, you know, in this world kind of have, you know, they want, uh, they have short-term memory. I don't know about short-term memories, but you know what, they, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they, they don't want to spend a lot of time. They want to know the news like right now. And so oh, that, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, definitely just kind of exploring those other, you know, um, media outlets, internships are huge, I think. Yeah, to really kind of find your footing. I'm so glad you said that too. And and it's cool. People might think that's a ton of work, but I'm just going to let you know. I love the piece. I, I just wrote it down here. You mentioned, you mentioned the, let me write, find my note right here that you said, um, the real world. Like you'll understand. So you said the real world and deadlines. One of my biggest things too, that's why I relate to you so much without you even realizing it. I don't think like it's, it's crazy because college is, good for what it is um i'm not gonna ever say i regret going even though like I, there's a lot of opinions on, on college okay i get mm -hmm. that i am grateful for the relationships that i made there with professors and other students and so forth like i made a lot of relationships i did learn skill sets that i've translated to my full-time work that i have now which is great um uh, was it worth the money i paid heck no um <laughs> I, I will say that now and i mean i'm grateful i've paid my student loans off and i've forgotten everything about school now i'm good i'm like out of there but one of my biggest things was doing internships outside of the school like because you do learn real life because as soon as you get out of school i think people in in college for that matter like this is across the board they don't have a real sense of reality especially full-time students who don't work while they're going to school um i was always just working full-time going to school full-time so my slate was pretty full all the time but they'd get out of there and then they're like, Oh crap. Like rent costs this or a mortgage costs this and a car costs this. Oh. And so my Dutch bros job probably isn't going to pay for that. Uh Oh. So then they, they forget what they're doing. You know, they, they don't know how to even leverage what they're doing. Um, if you do that during school, like try these little things out, like the internships, like you're saying, you have an understanding of like how things are going to work in the real world. And you have the experience, um, that you can leverage on a resume. The other thing I wanted to bring up that you just mentioned was the KBOI experience. So you mentioned that you had done um, some work at KBOI. I tried to get the little, like, and it helped you with brevity, right? And like yeah. some things there. And that's what I wanted to touch base on. I've always said it too, Brandon, like there's various forms of sports media. Like I was just talking about the broadcasting side of things. And so I've always tried to, you know, there's radio broadcasting, there's podcasting, there's writing and stuff. And there's different things that I've learned from each one of them. Um, is there, I guess, what pulled you towards writing um, outside of doing radio and what skill sets besides brevity could you take with you from, from each one? Yeah, no, I mean the writing, I, I guess I just gravitated. I guess I just kind of discovered that I really do love writing as an art form. Um, you know, I mean, I, I do like the others too. Like, I mean, I did some like, uh, did some broadcasting, you know, with the UTP they have at Boise state. So I got to kind of call some games, you know, like it was like, it was a club sports, like, you know, uh, soccer and rugby. It's still fun. And, and I did the radio side, but, uh, I don't know, just writing, I guess, you know, because when I got, when I really started like getting into writing at Boise State, like I was reading other people's work and I really kind of got into the long form uh, storytelling. Like, you know, I, I love that, you know, um, ESPN kind of does these from time to time. They tell like these big elaborate stories of, you know, these well-known athletes. Like I, like the one that comes to mind was, you know, I, I like the DeAndre Hopkins and his mom, like his mom is actually, I believe if I'm, I think she's blind. And so that kind of story kind of goes like, you know, you talk about um, D hop kind of inspired by that. Um, and there was also a really good story about like that giants quarterback. Uh, was it Jared? Was it Lorenzo? That big, he's like a yeah, hefty lefty. Lefty. Yeah, yeah, hefty lefty. Yeah. I mean, there was a really good story kind of about, you know, um, his struggles with his weight and, and stuff like that. So I kind of really kind of fell in love. Like, man, I really like these um elaborate stories you know and, and these kind of these stories behind the athlete you know not just uh like oh you know lebron james is really good at basketball well, well yeah of course we are we know that but i like the stories kind of behind the athlete so that's i guess with writing that just kind of was you know a better platform for me to kind of tell those stories 
Um, and um, I guess your second question is like, I guess what I kind of learned from, from each of them. Um, you know, I think with um, broadcasting, um, you know, man, that's, that's a really tough question. Um, I think broadcasting, I, I did like you kind of like you were talking about earlier, like, you know, it's kind of easy when you're in your living room, you know, playing your Xbox, kind of just commentating, but you know, um, when, when I was kind of doing it in, in real life, I'm like, well, there's just the, like, you kind of explain, like people can kind of see on the field, you know, you kind of have to mix that kind of insight, you know, in there too, like that analysis, like, you know, it's not just all about kind of calling what happens on the field. Like you kind of got to explain to the audience, like what's going like, you know, what's, you know, this play, what's it mean? You know, what, what's, what's the story about this athlete sort of thing. So that was kind of challenging and kind of having to multitask in my mind a little bit. So that, that was a, that was something I learned there. I mean, radio, um, you know, definitely kind of finding a personality. Um, and ra radio is huge with personality because I remember my first couple of radio broadcasts of the student uh, uh, radio, The Pulse, I believe it's called. Um, man, they were terrible episodes. Like I was just kind of like flat and I and I had this great idea. I'm like, I'm going to recap the scores from the other night. You know, like, hey, you know, the Chicago Bulls won 107 to 92. Um, which, you know, I mean, people already know the score, so I don't know why, you know, that was just my young experience taking over, but, um, I, I definitely didn't have start having success until I was kind of able to kind of develop a personality, you know, and kind of have like fun segments, you know, like, you know, okay, well, yeah, we know the Bulls won 107.92, but what was kind of the story of the, of the game? And, and you kind of got to kind of make it fun too. So people will kind of listen and, um, and, you know, tune in. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Yeah. You know, those are kind of, the, and then writing, you know, definitely with writing, um, basic, you know, you don't, you don't want to go too crazy. Like you, you don't want to kind of get lost. Like with writing, it's kind of easy to kind of, uh, you know, go crazy with all the facts and everything, but you kind of got to tighten it down a little bit, you know, because, you know, people, you know, um, studies have shown you like, you know, like there are, there are places for the long form stories and stuff too, but most people, you know, they kind of want to get in and out, you know, in three to five minutes. So you kind of want to, you know, tell the most important information and not bury, you know, stuff in there. If, if that makes sense, sort of, sort of deal. So, totally, man. Like yeah. this, this is what I wanted people to hear is kind of the behind the scenes stuff of what goes on with different forms of media and what you have to worry about as a journalist, you have to be cognizant of, of what your consumer is is doing whether they're a listener whether they're a reader um and what they're what they're wanting what they want because sometimes it's not about what we want it's what they want um i love the personality thing you mentioned about radio i pushed push this down as well <laughs> wrote this down as well so um the personality thing i always i i don't think people realize that but in especially like the visual or audio media personalities are who they follow um, when Colin Cowherd leaves ESPN and goes to Fox sports news, they follow Colin. They're not following the network. They're following the personality. He had built a personality. That's why when he left, he had such a following. You look at Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan leaves YouTube gets a specific, like, you know, he's completely exclusive with Spotify. Yeah. He ruffled some feathers with some stuff. He said, which whatever, everybody has their opinions on the matter, but Joe Rogan, their, his followers flocked to Spotify. That's why Spotify's numbers went up. I mean, there's statistics to prove that because they follow the personality. You know, Bill Simmons went from ESPN and started his own thing. He was with Grantland Network and was blowing that up with Jalen Rose. And then he, he gets pushed out of ESPN and goes starts his own thing and with the ringer. And people flock to him over there. People flock to the personality. And I think that's a huge piece to it right there. That's just one of the, you know, a couple of examples that I thought. Yeah. And then, the, going into the reading type of thing. So what I've found, Brandon, is in sports media podcast listeners, they'll listen to podcasts. Sometimes they don't cross over though to other things and sometimes they do. So like, it's hard for me to get like maybe somebody who loves to read to listen mm -hmm. to a podcast. And that's just the reality of it. And I've, I've had to come to terms with that. Have you found that in your writing experience that like the, like you've got a specific niche of people who like to read and then mm -hmm. there's people who like to listen to podcasts. There's people who like to watch Instagram. There's people, people get their news from different sources, but I found that it's hard to see like a ton of crossover. Talk to us about that. Is that something you've seen in your work? Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's kind of, you know, because you kind of have, uh, you know, those people kind of, they like their own thing. So it's kind of hard to get that crossover. Like I have kind of uh, um, experienced that. Like an example, you know, because I do, uh, you know, podcasts with my good friend, uh, John Armstrong, um, you know, um, who I think is really super talented. And I hope one day 
he gets an opportunity because he's way better than I am at the podcasting thing. Um, but, uh, you know, because I always I usually share all our episodes, you know, because I've got a pretty good following, you know, with kind of like my writing and stuff. Um, and like a lot of people, even though I don't work for, you know, the newspaper anymore, people have still kind of followed me over and will still read my work, you know, my freelance work that I do um, from time to time. But, uh, you know, we, we can look at the podcast numbers and like, man, you know, it's not necessarily translating. Like just because they like my writing doesn't mean they're going to necessarily listen to my podcast regularly. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of noticed that like that is kind of a, a unique challenge, like, you know, to try to do cross platform things. It's, it's you know, um, that is difficult. It is, you know, um, I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, how that can be kind of solved, you know. Yeah, that's a tough thing. I've, I've ran into it. I mean, I came to terms with it about two or three years ago <laughs> with my podcast because uh, my boss, Russell Brunson, who works, you know, he's the founder of ClickFunnels. He he's a marketing guru. And he basically said something that set out with me. He's like, Instagram followers, they follow Instagram. YouTube, like people who are on YouTube, they watch YouTube. Podcast listeners listen to podcasts. Blogs, like the blog blog readers, they, they follow blogs. And it's usually very rarely do they cross. And when he said that, that's when I really started seeing it in my work, similar to what you just said. I can have a certain amount of followers on Twitter. I can have whatever. But that doesn't always mean they're going to be listening to my show. I can promote mm -hmm. it as much as I want. I can use it as a marketing tool. Uh, but that's the reality. And then I go over to Instagram, right? And that's, I mean, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram, but like you'd say, well, you got 2,700 followers, right? It's not a ton. I don't have a ton of followers, but I have more listeners to my podcast than I do on Instagram. I can't even get my podcast listeners to subscribe to my Instagram channel. Like it's the same concept <laughs> over there too. Like, hey, follow me on these things. Follow me, do this, do that. And, and the same thing when I say leave a review on my podcast, I've got more than 210 people who've listened to my show. I have the stats to prove that week in and week out, but nobody like leaves a review. It's, it's just kind of the, you just battle with that. And what I've found is the best way to do it is to be as consistent as possible on every platform that you're using. So if you're, if I'm a podcaster, I'm consistent on doing my podcast and consistent in promoting that out there, because while I might not get all those followers to follow me, I might get one or two. And yeah. that ultimately helps me out. The more listeners I have, the more people who can hear the stories and the more the sponsors actually really want to be able to help me out when I'm doing my show. So it's one of the things that just be as consistent as possible across all the platforms, but it is a unique challenge that sports journalists run into that I don't think, especially those who are a non-traditional media outlet, they're not backed by a corporate, you know, uh, they're not backed by the corporate dollars, right? They don't have the corporate name behind them um, when they're building their own thing. That is a challenge to go through. So I was just yeah. wondering how, how you've experienced it. Now, going to the newspaper, uh, you, you had written for, for the newspaper. Um, you're currently doing freelance work. I, I'm just curious in regards to the people who have followed, you know, that, um, and I'm sure there's other people in the world who have probably experienced similar things. Quite honestly, I've talked to a lot of people who have gone that route. They've gone from, they've said, okay, I'm done with the newspaper. I'm going over here, but talk to us about the, the similarities and the differences between the work writing for a newspaper and then writing freelance work and doing similar work. You might be covering the same topic, but you're doing it for a different platform. Um, in regards to that, something that's more structured compared to more of a freelance platform. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question, honestly. And there, there are a lot of similarities, you know, too. I mean, you kind of, you know, cover the same things. I mean, cause the website I do now, SB live, uh, Idaho, um, you know, they, they do focus on high school sports. So, you know, the football, basketball, you know, baseball, that sort of thing. And that's what I covered at the newspaper as well, too. So there are a lot of similarities in terms of differences though. I mean, I will say though, that, you know, to freelance is, you know, it's definitely um, less of a grind per se. Like you're not on this rigorous, uh, rigorous schedule where you just have to keep cranking out story after story after story, like kind of regurgitating because you've got to fill the paper, right? You've got to fill the newspaper like every day um, and it's got to be printed out. Um, so I will say I really enjoy kind of the freedom um, that SB Live and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of freelancers, you know, when they're out on their own, maybe writing for websites, when they kind of get away from the newspaper world, I think they appreciate because, you know, they don't have to feel like they just have to crank a story out just so it can fill the newspaper. Like they can just kind of, you know, pick and choose the stories they want to do. Um, and you even take, you know, their time with it, you know, not feel they have to rush things. Because um, I remember, yeah, when, you know, when I was at the newspaper, you know, I would feel that it, it was tough. It was tough just, you know, having to feel like I got to get the story out. You know, I, I'm not really super passionate about it, but you know, I've got to get it out because you know, they've, we've got to fill the paper sort of thing. Whereas now 
like, you know, um, if I'm going to do a story, it's because it's, it's a story I really want to love the, that I love to do. And, and my bosses have been great too. Like, they're like, Hey, you know, Idaho, you've been covering it, you know, for six years now. Like, Hey, you know, they may give me suggestions. Like, you know, they do give me like, you know, top lists to do, which are fine. You know, those, those lists are kind of good for, you know, people like to check out top 25 stuff. Um, but they really kind of afforded me the freedom to like, Hey, you know, if there's a story out there you like, like, go get it. And no, 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 no rush, no big deadline. You know, don't, you don't have to crank it out in two hours. So that's, I'd say that's biggest difference, you know, is, you know, um, is just that not having a deadline. And I, and I think, you know, you're finding that a lot these days because the newspaper model is, I mean, they're still around, but you know, I think you're kind of finding people more like going to online sites and reading and getting their stories there rather than actually picking up a paper, you know? Yeah. I, that's the reality. It's all digital. Um, yeah. The world is moving digital. It's that's the reality of the world. And I don't want to discredit people who re- write for a newspaper, but the world's going digital. And unfortunately, in Idaho, especially the the newspaper model. Yeah, they're trying to start going digital and charging for that content. But because they were so far behind the times, I mean, I can mention the states. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. The statesman is one of them, like charging for content when they weren't doing it before. They didn't get on that bandwagon quick enough it's tough like because they're running into a very difficult position for their transition uh, because they're just behind the times with it, unfortunately. And you're starting to see people are flocking to these other platforms. I will go to SB live before I ever go to the Statesman. I'll just say that right now. Like that's just how it is. And, and, and you're seeing a lot more people that way too. Everyone has their preferences, but it's starting to flock that way for, for the information people are looking for. Um, what I want to let the listeners know is a night like let's say the state basketball tournament. That's where I said I had I'd, I'd met you in person for the first time at night when you're covering a, a, let's say a state tournament, when you've got game after game after game that are coming up, but you're still trying to get all the information that you need. So talk to us about how it goes during the game. Are you taking notes about the game and kind of creating your story before you, before post game, when you might go get an interview with someone and how fast do those, we mentioned the deadlines are a little different, but how fast are the, the stories needing to get out during like times like that, where a state basketball tournament is happening. So talk to us about a night in the life of Brandon Walton during a state <laughs> basketball tournament. Oh yeah. No, I mean, those are chaotic, um, <laughs> super chaotic to, to say the least. Um, yeah. Especially those state tournaments. Like, you know, when I'm, when there are multiple local teams and I'm having to you know do multiple stories. Yeah. I mean, and, and even, you know, even with just a regular football game, like, I mean, cause those games start kind of late and I mean, 7 PM is not late, but I guess I'm just thinking in terms of deadline, You're right? Like the newspaper deadlines, like 10 30. So I mean, those, and those games don't get over sometimes to like nine 30, maybe pushing towards 10, depending on the game a little bit. And so you're thinking like at most you have like an hour to really submit your story, which maybe seems like a long time, but it's, you know, it's, it's not. And so basically like, yeah, when I was at the newspaper specifically when it had those deadlines and especially at state tournaments with basketball, when like you have game after game, like where you, you know, you, you can't just like, you know, when one game's over, you can't just like, okay, take my time, write the story and not pay attention to the other game. Cause you've got to focus on the other game too. So yeah, basically it's like me writing as I go. Like, I mean, um, you know, writing the story as it, as it plays out. Um, I mean, so what, what, the thing I would do is like at basically at halftime, I'd take the full 15 minutes of halftime and just kind of, you know, write down everything that kind of happened. And so that I kind of like, okay, well, I've got the first half covered now. So now it's going to be easier for me to second half. And basically as the game changed, I would, you know, be writing it. I'd be just kind of be writing plays that happened, you know, like, oh, there was a 95 yard touchdown reception from, you know, uh, Ian Durarte from Eagle. I mean, so I'd just be kind of putting those notes in my story. And, uh, you know, basically the goal is to kind of have your story almost crafted by the time you go and get interviews so that you can just kind of plug your interviews in and just maybe move a few things around because man, if you're starting from scratch after a game is over, I mean that I learned that the hard way a couple of times, like I had to make those adjustments early on in my career. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can't do this. I've got to take notes. I've got to be writing as I go. Um, or yeah, you're going to be blowing deadlines. It's, it's, it's definitely tough. It's a really tough task. Um, dude, that's, that's a mental grind. I want yeah. people to realize like, cause you have to be on that entire night, uh, for football. It might be a little different cause you got one game for basketball though. It's, it's game after game after game. And you have to make sure that like, you have to be on during that whole time. So you can't like just take a break mentally. Like all of us do that. We all kind of like, 
we're watching the games and we're, we are in, intrigued with the games, but we don't have to be like focused on writing content and like, you know, yeah. but when you're doing journalism, you have to be on the entire time so that you don't run into that where you're starting from scratch at the end of the game. Like, uh Oh, gotta get this all taken care of. You're, you're getting all this done, getting it all done during the game interview after the game, boom, and get it, get it out there. Um, so that's what I think people don't understand. And I'm glad that you shared that because that's, that's the life of a sports journalist behind the scenes. You don't get to see the stress they kind of go through. Now I will ask you, this. this is a question that's been asked before to other people that I want to ask you. Cause I got you on my show as a sports journalist. Do you feel like the love of the game has amplified or has it diminished or has it just stayed the same for you? Do you, do you still have the same love of the game um, or does it change because of the kind of work that you have to do? Um, I would say that, you know, my love of the game has always been the same. Um, I mean, I mean, I love sports. That's just a part of, uh, who I am. And, you know, even when, um, you know, I will say, you know, when I got, you know, let go or should say fired, when I got fired from the newspaper, like a year and a half ago from the Idaho press, you know, I will say that, you know, I guess, I mean, I still love sports, um, but I guess I might—I guess maybe my love for high school sports in this area had maybe taken a little bit of a dive, because I was like I was, you know, I was part of that world for for so long, and then I just felt I'd been kind of cast aside. So that was, you know, especially that was tough as you know the the football season was kind of starting up again. I was like, no, oh, I'd be normally you know writing stories and covering that. So that was that was really difficult, um, you know. And for a little bit, I'd kind of lost my love for writing a little bit like I just was like you know maybe I'm just kind of done with writing like I'm still gonna love like sports like you know watching Boise State watching you know the Cowboys you know um but uh in terms of you know high school sports and and writing I I felt for a time that I had uh kind of lost that like I was just like you know what I don't know I'm just not feeling it right now so it was it was a it was a tough few months there which is why I'm you know so grateful that SB Live kind of came around and kind of revigorated uh my passion. And so now that they're around now, like, yeah, I feel like, you know, um, my passion for high school sports is just kind of, you know, I think with every story I do, it just gets higher and higher. Cause, cause you know, um, you know, I, I love the work that I do with them now. So. That's so sick, man. And you know that, like you said, you know, the stories behind the athletes too. So as you start getting into that and the people, the people enjoy that you're not just providing a score and recap that people already know. You're providing some stories. You understand the background. And I think for us, especially like as we cover certain athletes or certain programs, whether it's high school, college, professional, for me at least, the more I know about like the background of a story, the more I get into it, even as a journalist, because I'm yeah. just like, man, like you understand the background. You understand this kid's club basketball experience and what he did during the summer. So when he's playing for high school, some people might not realize that. But be like, yeah, these certain teams are looking at him. These certain programs are looking at him over the summer. And that's what he's trying to translate into the high school game. Those types of things are kind of cool. Or, you know, his parents and like their background and what, you know, he's gone through over the last year and see like how he's out there competing, he or she, I should say. So it's like, that's the cool thing about that for, from a journalist perspective, if you do the work and, and understand the background of the athletes, which it sounds like you do, um, that's cool to hear, man. Yeah. No, so, just with your alma mater with your team Meridian last year. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's great that they won state, but I mean, the story behind that is they had struggled, as you know, they'd struggled for years. They were one of the bottom feeding programs and just, you know, the way that, uh, I mean, that program, you know, coach Saner, Jeff Saner was able to turn that program around. I mean, that was to me, like, that's the story behind the championship. Like, yeah, the championship's cool, but I mean, it only, it gets elevated when you realize, wow, this program had really been through a lot and, you know, to turn this thing around. 100% man. And I'm glad yeah. you said that too. Cause yeah. I'm like sitting here, like we always talked about it. Cause my, my senior year was our last year making it to state until 20 or 2020 or 2019, whenever they made it state the year before last, when they made it, but yeah. lost. And they, then they end up winning the championship the next year. It'd been 14 seasons since they'd even made the state yeah. tournament, which yeah. in the SIC, for those who don't understand in Idaho, the SIC, basically, if, if you're a decent team, you get a freebie, basically, to get in the state tournament. I mean, they let a million people in, it feels like. Yeah, so they like, get five. They usually get five. Five out of eight is from the SIC. That's what I, I, yeah. that's, I mean, five teams. If you're a decent team, you can make the state yeah. tournament, whether you get blown out or not. But, like, yeah, yeah that's the problem. And, and, and so people didn't realize, like, 14 years of just being, like you said, bottom feeders. There's so much behind that history, which is why it was so emotional for me even. Like, that night okay. when Meridian won, I had my business partner, Ty, from Boise Sports Talk, he was down there. I went up in the stands and watched it as a fan that night because I was down there with you guys like for the rest of the games. But I, I went up and watched it because I couldn't stay neutral and unbiased. I oh, had yeah. to, like <laughs> I was screaming my head off. So um, that's okay. I have two questions left for you, Brandon, because oh, yeah. I, I know we've gone over time and I want to respect your time. But um, being 
non-bias or whatever. If you have a certain program or a team that you've root, maybe it's an alma mater or whatever it is, as a journalist, how do you try to remain unbiased while you're covering these games? That's tough, you know, and a good example of that was, you know, uh, my nephew, um, Connor, she, he actually played in the state championship game for Fruitland when Fruitland played Parma. I think that would have been 2016, um, I believe it was. And so obviously, you know, he's family. I'm, I'm rooting and Fruitland's my alma mater. That's where I graduated high school for from. So I'm always going to root for them. Um, but yeah, that's tough. You know, you basically just, you know, you have to leave your fandom at the door and just, you know, report, uh, you know, the game as it is. And, you know, um, they ended up losing that game. So, you know, I did obviously talk to the coach who was my high school teacher. Um, and, you know, I, I just kind of had to put, you know, our friendship, um, you know, and biases aside and just ask them the tough questions. And, and I, and I think, you know, they really respect you for it. You might think like, oh man, they're going to like, you know, hate me for asking these questions. Like I thought we're friends, but I, they, they should understand that you have a job to do too. Like, I mean, like, yeah, you know, like we're cool, we're friends, but it's like, you know what, Hey, I'm going to ask you about the game. And if, if there's something that, you know, was a bad uh, play for you guys or why you made this decision that didn't work for you. Like I, they should understand that you're going to ask them about that. So it is tough. Like it is tough to kind of, you know, and, and even to this day, like, you know, when a team loses in an excruciating way, it's just like, oh, man, I, not looking forward to this interview, but it's just like, you know, I, I, at the same time, I, I've, I've got to ask those questions because you know what, you know what, uh, that was a story of the game. And that's what the readers expect. Like, you know, the, the, the people that are at the game, like they want to know what the coach or what that player was thinking, you know, sort of thing. So. Totally. That's super yeah. helpful information. I freaking love it. So last question I have for you, because this stemmed, this, this is the uncomfortable question. Dallas Cowboys, all right? So for those who might follow us on, on social media platforms, Twitter's not my, my main platform, but I do communicate with people on that platform. And the other day, you know, well, a couple of weeks back, they're playing the 49ers. It's miserable being a Cowboys fan. I always joke around. My motto is I live to lose. I'm a Jazz fan, and I'm a Cowboys fan. Like, it just – I have, it was the second grade when I last saw the Cowboys win a Super Bowl. So Yeah. And, and so it's like, I don't, I don't have expectations that are high this year. I definitely didn't have expectations. So anyways, the story behind it was I made a, a comment about the last play of the game. I did not think that was a bad play call. And then basically just let it all go to the wolves. I had Mike Prater, Mike Christensen. I had Brandon himself commenting and, and basically just disagreeing with my statements, you know, with, with, with that call at the end of the game. Now I, I do my best before I make comments like that at all to, to watch it. And I did, I watched it three times on replay slowly to see what I thought before I made any comments. And that's why I said what I said. But, okay, Brandon, as a Cowboys fan, it's miserable at times. We have some really <laughs> good talent. It's miserable. What do we got to do as a team? Yeah, go Cowboys, baby. Let's go. <laughs> what do we got to do as a team, uh, as an organization, to, to get over the hump? Is it a coaching change? Is it a personnel change? Is it an ownership change? Uh, as a Cowboys fan – what what do you think and, and in your sports media profession and your professional opinion what do, what do you think i think it's an ownership change honestly i mean it's what's the common denominator it's, it's jerry jones he's been the the one that's been the constant through this all and um to me it started when he fired jimmy johnson because he, his ego just couldn't take that uh you know he wasn't directly responsible you know for the the super bowl wins you know he, he I don't know. I don't know why he just can't be an owner and just kind of just bask in the glory of, of winning championships. You know, I'm sure Robert Kraft, I mean, I don't think Robert Kraft knows a lot about football, but I mean, I'm sure he's just fine, you know, with six Super Bowl championships. So I don't know why Jerry's the same way. I mean, so Jerry Jones has been a big problem. And then that's to me is just kind of funneled down. I mean, it starts with the coaching too. I mean, but it's hard to blame the coaches um, a lot because, I don't know how much control they really have in their team. Like when the Cowboys lose, like, do we know it's on Mike McCarthy or I don't know. I mean, because I feel like, you know, Jerry's got to have some control. So I don't like Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, I I'm in favor of maybe Sean Payton coming over. There's a rumor that would be cool. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, I don't know. I think it's coaching. I mean, we've got all the talent in the world. Like if you look at the Cowboys on, on paper, I mean, you know, you know, hundreds of million dollar contracts everywhere you look. I mean, you got Dak, you've got Zeke, you've got Amari uh, uh, Cooper. I mean, you've got just so many talented players. And, e and even the defense was really good this year. Um, I think it's coaching. Like McCarthy comes out and says, yeah, my team was nervous before the game. 
well, that that's on you as a coach, man. Like you're supposed to get this team ready to play. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's tough. Like, it's like, this is 26 years of this and like, it's, a, you know, I, it's tough. Like, it's so tough. Uh, I think it's a coach. I don't know. I'm curious what you think. Is it a coaching thing? Is, is that what you see with the Cowboys? Cause we've always had the talent. It's just for some reason or other, we have just not been able to all put it together, you know? Yeah. You I'm with you. It's miserable. It's literally miserable because like you said, on paper, I've said this before on paper, we're dominant. We're just as dominant as any team in the NFL. That's including guys like Tom Brady and all those squads that he's had. We're dominant. We have so much talent. At the same time, I struggle because, yeah, we got rid of Jason Garrett. That was actually one of my last articles I ever wrote as a sports journalist writing, right? It was about okay. why, why uh, Garrett needed to go. And it got like 17,000 views in a matter of like literally two hours. I was like, oh, this is great, dude. I got, I pissed a lot of people off. So I was like, this fool is sucks. Like, get him out of there. I think Jerry Jones is loyal to a fault. Yeah. Um, he, he, he stays with people for too long, and that's including coaching and, and players. And so that's the problem I see with him. So I see the problem with the ownership. Then we switch and we get McCarthy coming in and the team starts to pick up. But I'm like, is that McCarthy or is that Kellen helping Dak, who's a fourth round quarterback, who I also had written an article about when we drafted him, by the way. Um, I wasn't a fan of Dak. I thought he was just another Tim Tebow. Because if you go to if you watch their college footage, exactly the same style of quarterback run Mm -hmm. first can still pass the ball. Like Tebow actually had amazing statistics in college for throwing the ball. Amazingly, if anybody wants to go back and check that, he just sucked in the NFL. And it just reminded me of that. So I'm like, okay. But then Kellen comes in here and turns Dak into a quarterback who can eh, sometimes throw the ball pr- pretty well, uh, surrounds him with weapons. So I'm struggling with, like, is it the coaches? But then I look at – Brandon, I'm looking at the players, okay? And I'll go down to that last play of the game. That's – I mean, we can call it what it was, but they had plenty of time to spike the ball and have one shot at the end zone. They had plenty of time when they ran Yeah, it. that's Dak. You've got to get down sooner. I mean, you got to get down sooner yeah. and you got to hand the ball to the ref. Now, the refs are all inconsistent anyway, so I'm pissed at them regardless. But before that even happens – I'm looking at the defense. Randy Gregory, for example, he's notorious for offsides. He's he's done it time in and time out. He's one of the most talented players. But how many second and third chances can we give the guy to come in here and make crucial mistakes? Hands to the face on a third and 12 against the 49ers. Third and 12, hands to the face from a nose tackle, pressuring up the middle, gives him a first down. Those types of mistakes are inexcusable, in my opinion. Not to mention we are like paper people on the defensive line. So, mm-hmm. like, they just run right through us. Um, and that's every team. So, I look at it and I'm like, man, it's there's problems from the top down. But I, I use the analogy: you can t- you lead a lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I, I I don't know what else. Like the players are stupid, and there's and that's just what you can't coach stupid. So like, I I feel bad for everybody in this organization. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the solution is. I'm like I'm like, come on, we've got the talent, but what is the solution? Is it bringing in Sean Payton and changing the culture? Possibly, uh, but I don't know if that hurts Dax. You know, confidence if we lose Kellen because he's super connected to Kellen and. I'll tell you right now, Dak was not – he's a fourth-round quarterback for a reason. He's a third-string quarterback, and if it, if the situation wasn't the way it was with Romo and, and Kellen going down, Dak would not be starting in the NFL today. I firmly believe that. I, he would have been a journeyman backup forever. Kellen took him to another level, and he had an opportunity that a lot of backups don't get. So th- there's a lot of things there. I, I just – I don't know. It's so hard for me. That's why it's a disaster, and I am I'm always just so like – I'm just so sad. No. <laughs> it's a sad thing to be a Cowboys fan, bro. No, and I apologize for getting on here. I'm just very passionate, you know. And, and oh, you're right, like, like, I get the play call. Like, it makes sense. But, like, they have to realize, like, you have 14 seconds. you got to be perfect. And, and the fact that Dak didn't know that the uh, official had to spot the ball, I mean, that's on him, too. Like, I mean, you know, and I, it was just frustrating that him and McCarthy both came out and blamed the refs. Like, officiating could always be better. But, like, you know what? that was on you guys. Like if Dak gets down, uh, you know, a few yards sooner, you have enough time to spike it or run one other play. And so it's just, it's that kind of stuff that just really frustrates me. And just like, it's probably the most heartbreaking loss of experience. And it was like, I don't know why. Cause I, in that third quarter, we're down 16. Like I'd accepted we had lost at that point, but what the Cowboys always do is they just, they come back and then they just break your hearts at the end. Like, <laughs> I fell for it. I fell for it again. <laughs> Dude. So my uncle tells me this. We're both Cowboys fans, he and I, and massive Boise State fans. And he said something about Boise State a few years back. We lose to Wyoming when Rippon got strip sacked in the back. Like it was just a terrible game. And I was just so I'm so sick of Boise State doing it too. And my uncle said, he's like Shane, you can't let them break your heart anymore. It's like an ex girlfriend. Just stop letting them break your heart. Don't even allow it anymore. You don't even 
don't even expect anything. So I've taken that mindset ever okay. since that day for the Cowboys too, because it's for anyone who's not a Cowboys fan, just understand that it's what Brandon just said is perfectly it. They, they start off in a slump. They come back, they give you hope. You get the cold sweats cause you're getting that nervous sweat. And then they shiz on you. It's just <laughs> like, bye. And then you just sit there depressed and you, you leave the room anxious, frustrated, just sad and it's like yeah. every week it's the same thing it is so and then they like this year they give you more hope because oh we we won the division and we're doing well and mm-hmm. we can compete with these guys and then to lose that way was just a it's a total i'll just say this total cowboys way to go out oh it, it totally is it, it totally is so yeah <laughs> i try not to fall for it i'm the same way but then it's just like when they start coming back you know that you know 12 year old boy, just like, Oh yeah. Cowboys. Like it comes out and then you know, just can't help it. So. Yeah. Oh, the sadness, man. The yeah. sadness. Brandon, you're the man. Tell us where we can find you brother. Where's, where's some, like, can we, where can we follow you on Twitter? Where can we follow you for your work that you do for, for freelancing and everything? Let us know. Yeah, no. So I'm on Twitter. Uh, Mr. Idaho preps is my Twitter handle. Um, so you can follow me there. And then in terms of um, where my work is going to be at, I'm going to start, um, you know, ramping up some uh, coverage as we get close to, um, basketball state basketball with girls first um so i'm going to start really some cranking out some stories for the website um so the website um there's two ways you can access my work you can go the the best way is just to download the app it's just the sb live app uh you can find that in google play or um the apple uh store um or you can uh, go directly to the website it's just um idaho.scorebooklive.com and so um yeah, the app's really easy to use because like the the scorebook live, they're in multiple states. I think they're, you know, in, in I think they're in a dozen at least. So I mean you can actually click on the state that you want. Um, and so if you click to Idaho, you can just kind of find my my stories there. So um, yeah, that's where you can kind of follow me at. Awesome. We'll put that here in the description for everybody listening. Make sure to go check it out. So Mr. Idaho Preps on Twitter and then SB Live, download the app, or you can go to idaho.scorebooklive.com, and I'll put that here in the description so you guys all know where to go. But, Brandon, I just want to say thanks, brother, for joining us, man. That was uh, it was been a fun conversation, getting to learn about you, your your history, your work, and then talking to the sadness of Cowboys fans. But <laughs> I appreciate you, brother, and we'll be, uh, we'll be in contact soon, all right, man? All right, sounds good. It's an honor, Shane. Thanks again for having me, man. I'm a big fan of your work, too, so keep it going, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. For all those listening, make sure you tuned into the show. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.